Bibles tonight. I'm going to share a little bit more with you this evening. And uh, from Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm sorry. We, we're, not, we're not in the faith, the faith chapter tonight. But Hebrews chapter number 12. And I'm going to pick up, try to, where I left off this morning talking about the things which cannot be shaken. And um, let's read our text tonight in verse 26. Hebrews 12, 26 says this, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receive... A kingdom which cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that again. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. The removing of those things which are shaken, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. We talked a little bit this morning and uh, about the fact that we are in a, a world today, in a society today, that things are being shaken up. This world is, um, is being shaken. Governments are being shaken. Nations are being shaken. And the Bible said, we read this morning from Haggai chapter 2, God said that He was going to shake all nations. And uh, we see the beginning of that now, which will be uh, come to its fruition and fulfillment during the tribulation period, which is just around the corner. And um, so God is shaking some things. There are things being shaken in the world. And I mentioned this morning that everything that is, that is built by man is temporal. It's temporary. It's not permanent. Uh, anything that man builds is shakable and it's, um, it's, it's, not, it's not eternal. The only eternal things that we have are what we have in God, amen. So we've got to, uh, uh, what, what's that old song says? Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand, amen. So this world is shaking and uh, there's a whole, whole lot of things being shaken right now, things that are happening in the world that has a lot of people shook up, amen. A lot of people shook up. 
But uh, there are some things in the, in the midst of everything that's happening today, in the midst of everything that's going on in the United States and globally. And, and as I said, you know, we don't know exactly everything that's going to pan out and transpire. And uh, things are probably going to get worse and worse as far as this world is concerned. But in spite of all of that, folks, there are some things that the Bible tells us that are unshakable. There are some things that, that, cannot, that cannot be shaken. Amen? Some things that are going to remain in the midst of all the shaking that's going on in the world today. I mentioned this morning that the one, one of the things that is unshakable, something that cannot be shaken or moved, is the throne of God. He is seated upon His throne in that place of authority. That throne of God is set and nothing, nothing that happens can topple the throne, God off of His throne, or can overturn the throne of God. His throne is forever. The psalmist said, Thy throne is forever, O God, and it cannot be, it cannot be toppled, it cannot be removed, and God is in control. Can I get an amen? That throne stands for His power. His throne stands for His omnipotence, for His authority, for His dominion and His rule and His control. And God is ruling and God is reigning from heaven. When Isaiah faced difficult situation, difficult times, when the people of God in Judah faced difficult times at the death of King Uzziah, the Bible said that um, Isaiah went to the temple of God and prayed and he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I saw him seated upon his throne. So Isaiah knew God showed him that vision of God on his throne with the seraphims that were around him crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. John the Revelator saw the, the same vision of God upon his throne and the heavenly host around him. So listen, whatever's going on in this world today, God is God got it under control. He knows what to do. Amen. So we've got to put our faith and our trust and our confidence in Him because the throne of God, the authority of God, the rule of God, the power of God will not be shaken. That is an unshakable thing. And so tonight, secondly, we want to mention this. Now, I know this is real deep revelation tonight, but, uh, but you know, it's good to be reminded of it. God's Word, secondly, God's Word, God's Word cannot be shaken. Can I get an amen? Oh, if we ever want to be planted on some, we need to be planted in the Word of God and standing on the Word and established on the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. 
forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled and it's fixed and it's unchangeable. There's been a lot of people that have tried over the years to, uh, to change God's word. And, of course, we have those today that say that this Bible's just an antiquated book and it's not relevant for the culture today, for us today. And, uh, you know, that it's just not, it's not, uh, it's not, it, it can be changed. It's not for us today, but I'm going to tell you what. The Word of God is unchangeable and unshakable. Listen to what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8. Isaiah said this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Can I get an amen? Jesus, and we're all familiar with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And those the heavens, the earth are shakable. They're going to pass away. But the unshakable word of God, the everlasting eternal word of God will not pass away, but will endure forever and ever. Jesus stood there in Jerusalem in that temple over 2,000 years ago and he preached the word of God to them. And you know, today, I think I mentioned this morning, that temple is gone, but the word of God still abides today. The apostle Paul walked into Athens, Greece, and he beheld all the great buildings there of Athens, of the uh, Acropolis. He walked up the Appian Way to Rome, and he saw the Forum. He saw the great Colosseum. And you know, today these buildings lie in ruins, but the Word of God, that same Word of God that Paul preached 2,000 years ago, that Word is still alive today. That Word is still abiding today. That Word is still enduring today. Hallelujah. And it's not changed a bit, and it is not shaken. Come on, somebody. See, skeptics, and we've had our skeptics and critics, and there's been liberal interpreters, and the atheists and the agnostics have all come and gone. And that, but the Word of God has not lost one iota of its power. This book tonight, this Word of Almighty God, and this is the Word of God, it doesn't just contain the Word of God. This is is the infallible, inerrant, uh, uh, ever-living Word of Almighty God. And there's power in the Word of God. There's still power, hallelujah, the power of God unto salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
Greek. Let me tell you something, folks. Where this Bible is being preached, today souls are still being saved. Lives are still being changed. People are still being delivered and set free by the unshakable word of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad tonight for the Bible, for the word of God. I love his word. Do you love his word tonight? Hallelujah. I love his word. Throughout the past, many, many men in the past have tried to destroy the Bible. And they're still today, even today, still launching their attacks against the Word of God, trying to stop the Word of God and trying to close the mouths of the preachers today that are preaching the Word of God. And I believe that's going to, um, that's going to accelerate and increase because the devil, you know, the devil has tried for all of these millennia to stop the Word of God and to halt the preaching of the Word of God, but he's not been able to do that. And I, I, I think today, and I believe this with all of my heart, that we're living in, an, in a time and in a day that preachers and pastors and the ministers of the Word of God in this nation are going to really have to get strong and they're going to have to be bold. And we're going to have to have a backbone today to stand up in boldness to proclaim the Word of God. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be easy to do in these last days. And I think that the, the preachers today, and you need to pray for, we need to pray, all of us, for our pastors and for those who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ but preachers are going to have to stand up and thank God I believe there are some today that are going to stand up and continue to stand up and proclaim the truth of the word of God and we've got we've got to stand up with that message today that regardless of uh, of what they try to do to shut us up or to stop us from proclaiming the word of God we've got to stand up and tell this um, this socialist agenda that's being promoted today that no matter what we will not stop proclaiming God's word but we will continue to preach the Bible and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's going to be labeled and, and even is now in some places and it's going to be that way in the United States where to preach the Bible is going to be considered hate speech. And especially if you preach anything against uh, sin or preach holiness and preach righteousness. And, uh, but but we're, we're, we're going to stand and we're going to, we're going to preach the Word of God. We're going to declare the Word of God. It's unchangeable. It's unshakable. Amen. That's where our foundation is today. Amen. It's not going to do me any good or do you any good for me to get up here and just give you some little book report. Amen. I've got to give you the word of God. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah. So we must continue to preach no matter what we're told, no matter what the threats may be, no matter 
what law may be passed to tell us that we have to stop. We need to let every politician know, every lawmaker know in this nation that you know what? We're going to stand and preach the word. Let me tell you something. Those that are standing in opposition to the word today and to the church and to the gospel today, they're going to, they're going to fade away. They're going to pass away. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. But this book tonight that I hold in my hand is going to survive throughout all eternity. This Bible's going nowhere. The word of God's going nowhere. Hallelujah. It's alive. It's real. Hallelujah. And it's unshakable tonight. And I've built my hope on the word of God. That is my firm foundation. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Back in the 17th century, and many of you probably have heard this. There's been some, this story I'm getting ready to tell, there's been some that says that this is not true, it's a fabrication. So I, I did some research on it this week and uh, because I've heard this, um, this all my life, read it all my life, but uh, there, there are those that try to say it isn't true, but I did find out this is a factual story. But in the 17th century, there was an atheist by the name of Voltaire. Some of you may have heard of him, but uh, he said, he made the statement. He was, a, he was a great opponent of Christianity. He mocked the Christians and the Bible and the things of God. And he said this, he said, we are living in the twilight of Christianity. In other words, he said that Christianity is soon to fade away and will be no more. He predicted, and Voltaire made a prediction, and he said, said that within a within hundred years this, that the Bible would cease to exist. He said that uh, that would only be found in some, in some museum somewhere. Uh, that, it would, that, that, that people would have to see it in a museum. That it would be no more. But Voltaire passed away. Voltaire died. And 50 years after his death, the very house that Voltaire lived in was used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva as a storehouse for Bibles. His very house was filled with the Word of God. Hallelujah. With Bibles and gospel tracts. And the very printing presses that he used to produce his atheistic ungodly literature were used to print the Word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Voltaire is in hell tonight. Voltaire, 400 years later, he's in hell tonight. But you know what? All over this world, there are still preachers that are standing and preaching and proclaiming the word of God because it is unshakable. It is eternal and it will live forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will not pass away. Woo! Hallelujah to God. Amen. Amen. His word stands. His word stands. Oh, hallelujah. In Acts chapter 12, uh, there was one of my favorite stories. In Acts chapter 12, Herod the king at that particular time 
the Bible said, stretched out his hand to vex the church and certain of the church. A politician. (laughs) See, this ain't nothing new, folks. Amen. (laughs) A politician, Herod was, and he, uh, he, he was an evil king. And he stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And the Bible said that he, he, had, he had James, the brother of John, executed. And then because he saw that it pleased the people, uh, pleased the Jews, he, he further proceeded then to arrest Peter. Peter, the, you know, the, 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 the main preacher and apostle of the church at that particular time, the early church. And so Herod has... Peter arrested, and uh, you know, Peter, this wasn't his first rodeo. He had been arrested before him and John had, put in jail. Angel let him out one time, and so uh, he's determined, Herod's determined, he's getting, putting Peter in jail, and he isn't getting out this time. He, he delivers him, the Bible said, to four quaternions of soldiers, 16 soldiers taking watch, four uh, at a time. He's chained to two of them, amen, and so they're watching and standing guard over him all the time, and he's, um, Herod's intention then is to, is to execute Peter the next morning. He's waiting till after Passover, and then the time has come that he's going to execute Peter just like he did James. They're going, they've determined, he's determined he's going to put an end to this preaching. He's going to put an end to this church business, to this Christianity, and so he's vexing the church. Let me just stop right here and say something tonight that anytime anybody anywhere, any place, at any time puts their hand forth to vex the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are, they, they're, they're biting off more than they want to be able to try to chew up. Come on, somebody. They're, they're getting it themselves in over their head. Amen. You don't believe that, you just ask Saul of Tarshish because, you know, he, he, was, he was bent on destroying the church, but one day on that Damascus road, a light shone out of heaven, and a voice came out of heaven, knocked him down. The power of God knocked. Somebody said, well, this, you know, the power of God knocking people down. I don't believe in that. Well, just ask, ask, ask old Saul about it. He's riding his horse, and the power of God hit him on the Damascus road and knocked him off his horse, and that voice from heaven, the voice of Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you, when people go to persecuting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus takes it very personally because the church, listen, saints, the church is the body of Christ. Jesus purchased the church with his own precious blood. He loves his church. Can I get an amen? And amen. And whoever stretches out their hand to touch the church of Jesus Christ is touching the apple of God's eye tonight. It's been bought and and purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus 
Christ. It's washed with the water of the word and purified and sanctified tonight by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you what, God is on the side of his church and woe be to anybody that tries to reach their hand out and vex the church of the living God. Amen. So he's got Peter there in prison and, and uh, intending the next day to have him executed. And Peter's sound asleep. He's not really what much worried about it. He's trusting the Lord. But uh, here it was in the middle of the night. Guess what? God sends another angel. The angel of the Lord comes in uh, to that prison cell. And, and I love what it says. I love how the Bible puts it. It said that he smote Peter on the side. He's, he's sawing logs, man. He's snoozing away. And the angel smacks him and says, Hey, man, wake up. We're getting you out of here tonight. And Peter gets up and he says, gird your garment about you. Get your sandals on your feet and follow me. You know the story. And so Peter follows the angel. He thinks he's having a vision. He thinks that he's having, uh, you know, he's, he's just having a vision and a dream. And uh, the, he follows the angel through the first and the second ward. The jail cell doors opened up. The, the shackles, when he stood up, when Peter stood up at the command of the angel, the chains and the shackles, that had him bound fell off of his hands. They just fell off. And so he's walking out. When they get to the main gate outside to, that leads into the city, it, it, here we were 2,000 years ago, and that gate had that, that automatic, it's just like the doors at Walmart, you know? When they walked up there, they just opened up of their own accord. Amen. And that's, hey, that's what the, the, the Greek word is, automus, of their own accord. It means automatic. God had some automatic doors going on there in the prison that night. They just opened up of their own accord. And Peter follows the angel out into the street. And when he gets out there and the angel disappears, Peter comes to himself and he said this. He realized then that the angel of the Lord had come and delivered him from Herod's hand. So he goes to the where the people were praying. The church had conducted a prayer meeting. And I believe that was the reason why that Peter was delivered was because of a prayer meeting. But he went to the prayer meeting where they were and uh, God delivered him out of the hand of Herod. And the Bible says, the Bible said, that uh, in, in chapter uh, in chapter number 12 there and um, verse, oh, where is it? Amen. Well, let me just tell you what it says. Amen. It says that God delivered him from Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. Amen. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Herod, this politician, determined to put an end to the church and to God's people. But one day after this happened, hero Herod goes down to a place to make a great speech. And he's sitting there in all of his palms and all of his glory and he's seated there upon the throne and he makes this great speech to those who are there and everybody's applauding him and everybody's saying wow this is awesome he's, he's speaking like the, this is not the voice of a man but this is the voice of a God and the Bible says this here's what happens ladies and gentlemen in verse 23 here's what happens to those who 
try to stretch out their hand and vex the people of God in the church of God. It said, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost or he died. Amen. Herod is dealt with. Herod is gone. God sent an angel to deal with Herod and to take care of him. But notice what verse 24 says. Herod, the one that vexed the church, is gone now. But the Bible says the word of God grew and multiplied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's unshakable. You can't stop it. You can't shut us up. We're going to proclaim the word of Almighty God. His word cannot be shaken. Can you say amen tonight? Oh, hallelujah. It grew and it multiplied. It couldn't be shaken then and it will not. It will not be shaken now. Millions of unbelievers have hurled their strength at the Bible, but it still stands and it will stand forever. Amen? Let's look tonight at 2 Timothy 3. I made reference, I think, to this verse this morning, but I want to read the verses 1 through 5. In 2 Timothy, these are familiar verses to everyone, but here's what it says. This know also, Paul writing to the believers, to the church. Well, he's writing to Timothy, a young preacher. It's applicable to the church. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. I mentioned this morning that word perilous means fierce times, dangerous times, insane times. It's where we're at today. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, lovers of money in other words, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, my Lord, false accusers, incontinent. That means without any restraint or self-control. They're unrestrained and uncontrollable. Can you see that happening in the world today? They're fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then Paul said, Timothy, from such turn away. Here's a condition, the condition Uh, that we are given here by the apostle of what we can look for in the last days. We're there today. We see these things. So Paul is warning Timothy, these are the things that are coming. This is the way that people are going to be. This is what you're up against. This is what you're going to have to face. And so what did Paul tell Timothy to do in this dark time and in these dark days at the end of time? Notice he said in in chapter 4... In verse number 2, here's the uh, 
here's, here's the response to this activity. Here's the response that the pastor, the preacher has to have, that we have to have in these last days, in these perilous times. He said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. And reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. That's the answer to, to, for the preacher in these last days to what's going on in the world today. We just got to keep on preaching the word of God. Whether we're in season, you know, in season is when everything's going good. That's when it's good, you know, when it's easy to preach and everything's going good. We preach the word, but boy, I'll tell you, he said, when it's out of season, when, when there's a law against it, when everybody's against it, you continue to preach the word. There's no place for compromise tonight for the church. We must continue to declare the word of God. I'm telling you tonight, saints, the things of this world are being shaken, but this word is unshakable. This Bible is unshakable. Amen. It is the infallible, inerrant, eternal word, and it cannot be shaken. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. His word cannot be shaken. His throne, God's throne cannot be shaken. But thirdly, God's church cannot be shaken. The true church of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be shaken. Jesus said so. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Jesus said this, And I say also to you that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. Who's building the church? Jesus is building the church. What's the foundation of the church? Jesus is the foundation of the church. He's the rock, not Peter, but Jesus is the rock. He said, you're Peter, you're a little stone. That word um, Petros is a little stone, a pebble. He said, Peter, you're a little pebble. Amen. But he said, upon this rock, and he used the Greek word which means an, a massive immovable stone referring to Jesus, referring to himself. And he said, upon this rock I will build my church. Amen. Listen, Abundant Life Family Church is not my church. It's his church. Are you listening to me? Amen. Abundant Life Family Church is Jesus' church. He's founded it. He's established it. And he is building it. Amen. Upon this rock I will build my church. And listen, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the words of the founder and the builder and the head of the New Testament church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What's he saying? The church of Jesus Christ will stand and it will not be shaken. Hallelujah. There is a true church. There is, I think I mentioned this morning, there is an apostle 
apostate church today, but brothers and sisters, there is a true, real, born-again, blood-bought church in this earth today. It's not a building somewhere, amen? This building is not the church, but the church is made up of every blood-washed, born-again, set-apart child of God, everybody that's got their name written down in the Lamb's book of life. The Lord has taken you out of the world and out of sin and have pl- has placed you into the body of Christ, the church of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're saved tonight, it doesn't matter. God's not looking at, well, I'm Baptist or I'm Methodist or a Presbyterian or I'm Assembly of God or Church of God or Nazarene or whatever. God is saying, hallelujah, have you been born again? Do you know my son? Are you saved? Hallelujah. If you are and you're washed in the blood of the Lamb and your name's in heaven, you're in his church tonight and the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. It's unshakable. I said his church is unshakable. Amen. That's what the founder of the church, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ said. Those first three centuries, after after Christ had died and resurrected, those first three centuries, the Roman Empire tried its best. The mightiest empire on the face of the earth tried its best and did everything that it could to stamp out the church, to obliterate the church from off of the face of the earth. Ten Roman emperors, ten Roman emperors in a row launched unbelievable persecution of the people of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. We, 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 we here in America, we, we don't know nothing about persecution. They're going to ban us from Facebook. Oh, my, aren't we persecuted? (laughs) Oh, my. We'll just weep and moan because we're going to lose our our voice on social media. That's not, that is a type of persecution, but nothing. We've known nothing compared to what those early Christians, those early saints, what they experienced in the persecution of Rome against the church, against believers. It was unbelievable. Those those early believers, I mean, they, they were so on fire for God. They were willing, they were willing to be thrown into that, dragged into that Colosseum and, 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 and eaten by wild animals. They would take, listen, they would take those believers, those Christians, try to get them to recant. All they had to do, all they had to do was take a pinch of incense and throw it in the, in the fire and say, Caesar is Lord. That's all they had to do. But they re- refused to do that. They would not. Brother Bob, they would not bow their knee. Hallelujah. They, they said there's only one Lord and he's not Caesar. There's only one
one Lord and His name is Jesus. And they refused to deny the name of Jesus. They refused. They refused to worship Caesar or to give Him any prevalence as Lord. And that's all they had to do. But because they would not deny Jesus Christ, many of them were taken and sewn up into the skins of animals and thrown in the floor of the Colosseum. And the wild animals, the lions and the, and the tigers and what have you, would come out and rip those skins open and maul those believers and eat them alive right there in that Colosseum. And they would die there for Jesus Christ, praising the Lord and thanking the Lord that they were worthy to give their life for Jesus. Amen. They were willing to go into that Colosseum and be slaughtered by, gall- by gladiators. They were willing themselves to give themselves to be burned at the stake, burned alive at the stake. One particular, the, the bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, the bishop of the church at Smyrna, when they arrested him and they took him and tied him to the stake and piled the wood around him and they said, this is your last opportunity. Deny Christ and you can go free. And Polycarp said, oh sirs, 80 and 6 years have I served him and never one time has he let me down. How could I deny the, the name of my Lord Jesus Christ? Oh hallelujah. They lit the fire around him and uh, according to Fox Book of Martyrs the story is they lit the fire around Polycarp and the flames begin to come up and they arched outward. Glory to God and wouldn't even touch his body while he was there praising the Lord. One of the soldiers reached in with a sword and jabbed him in the side and they said that so much blood came out of his body that he extinguished the flame and he went on to be with Jesus but he wouldn't deny the Lord because the church the church is here listen to me those in Washington or wherever else the church of Jesus is here to stay and we're not going anywhere it's unshakable I said it's unshakable Woo! hallelujah the evil emperor Nero made human torches of Christians took saints of God Christians covered them with pitch tied them to stakes and set them on fire and made them human torches for his his outdoor parties and feasts mocking the church Nero's in hell tonight but the church is still marching on oh hallelujah the church is still going on Hallelujah. Amen. The church of Christ Jesus will not be conquered. We are the spiritual body. We are the temple not made with hands. And until Jesus returns, the rapture of the church, until the rapture of the church comes, He's going to have, God's going to have a church in this world that shall not and will not ever be shaken. Hallelujah. Oh, it's a remnant, I believe now. It's a remnant. I want to be a part of that, don't you? But he's got a church, and we're soon to leave this world. 
Amen. God's throne is not shaken. God's word is not shaken. His omnipotent power is not shaken. Hallelujah. And his church that is founded on Jesus Christ is unshakable. It'll stand whatever hell can throw against us. Whatever hell can spew out and throw against us, we're going to stand. Put on, he said. Put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might that you may be able to stand in the evil day against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand, stand, hallelujah. We're standing today clothed in the armor of God, clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to make it through because the church cannot be shaken. Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and give Him praise. The things that can be shaken will be shaken, and the things that cannot be shaken will remain steadfast. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank You tonight for Your goodness and Your mercy. Thank You for the, oh Lord, for the, the foundation that You have established Your church.